0: In and across Chicago and over the internet? You can make a generous recurring gift by going to our website, urbanvillagechurch.org/give. And thanks for helping us with your ears, actions, and dollars to build up God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And now, here's the latest sermon.
1: Morning. How are we doing? My name's Derek, and I'm going to be doing the scripture reading for today. Um, so we have Luke's 10, 1 through 11, and then 16 through 20. After the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go, he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way, and, see, and sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves, Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, Eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe out in protest against you. Yet know this: the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects me, And whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watch Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemies, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this that this spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The word of God for the people of God.
0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Urban Village Church. My name is Erin James Brown. I serve as the interim site pastor here at UBC Edgewater. Uh, you get extra bonus points in heaven for showing up today because I know it's a holiday weekend. Um, so God's keeping track, just so you know. Just kidding. Um, last month I opened each of our services with a body prayer, a way of using our body as opening ourselves up to God. And so this month I wanted to do the same thing, but with a different type of prayer. So we're going to use breath prayer, using our breath as a way of feeling centered, feeling grounded, and feeling connected to God. So I invite you, if you're comfortable, you can remain seated, but uh, you can close your eyes or fix your eyes on a spot. Uh, Feel your body relax a little bit. You might want to place both feet on the floor. Your hands can be rested on your thighs, facing downward if you need uh, to feel a little bit grounded this morning, or you can turn them upwards if you need to receive a little more energy. Breath prayer is breathing in the presence of God and then breathing out any type of anxiety or stress we might be holding and tension inside of ourselves. And so we breathe in together big, deep breaths and then letting them out through our mouths. Breathing in through our nose and out through our mouths. Breathing in hope and breathing out sorrow. Breathing in peace and breathing out anger. and breathing in love and breathing out hatred. God, you continue to fill our lungs with air that sustains us, nourishes our brains and our bodies, we pray that we continue to breathe in more of your presence, finding ourselves more aware of our breath throughout the day. Just the simple pleasure of feeling the air rush past our nostrils. And we pray, God, that as we breathe out, we would let go of stress or tension we hold within ourselves, trusting that you, God, will recycle all of that, breathing back into us more peace, and hope, and love. And so we offer ourselves to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, this morning's passage picks up from, yes, last Sunday's passage. Last week we read Luke 9, leading up to Luke 10. Luke 9, Jesus was giving the people instructions about the importance of sharing their story the unimportance of being prepared to have all of the right things to say. And so Jesus then, here in Luke 10, gathers a big group of disciples, more than the 12, this time 70, to do this sharing of peace and proclaiming of God's kingdom nearby. And I have to admit, maybe you felt this too when you were reading it. This is not an assignment I would probably sign up for. Like if there was a a a clipboard going around, this would not be the one that I said I was available for. Jesus warns against alienation. He warns against difficult commitments. He warns them not to look back. This following Jesus kind of life, he says, this plentiful harvest just ripe for the picking and plucking kind of sounds a little militaristic, uh, minimalistic, a mission. One, I would not volunteer to serve because He says, it's like lambs going before wolves. He says, take no supplies, rely on no one else. Don't even pack a decent pair of shoes, let alone think about those three other pairs of shoes that match all your cute outfits. These things that fill your life, these items that make you more self-reliant, Jesus says, that make you feel more equipped and more adequate, these things, set them aside. Forget them. And then he sends them out. He shoes them away down the road like animals on an ark, or maybe like sheep being led before wolves. They go two by two, marching down the road. They begin the missionary journey that will be repeated for. Years, centuries to come, continuing the cycle of procession and proclamation to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and then on to the ends of the earth. And I have to admit, this passage in Luke is a big one. It's a tough one. There's a lot packed in here. In my early ministry days, my spouse and I would co-lead a Bible study. Well, actually, my spouse would lead it, and I would just show up begrudgingly where for four or six weeks, we did nothing but read and reread this same passage. We, our small group of people, we weekly listened and meditated and shared divine inspiration behind Jesus's command to these 70-ish evangelists. His warning that he offered them that proclamation of an ever closer drawing kingdom of God takes a lot of work. And each week, for four or six weeks, I can't remember how long we did it, we all pulled out different phrases that stuck with us. We each reflected on different portions of the plentiful harvest. Oftentimes, I would leave this group feeling more astounded by the complexity of Jesus' words and biblical teaching. But sometimes I left feeling more confounded by the enormity and the weight of the task of biblical interpretation, because Jesus just smacks a whole bunch of stuff into this passage. So we're just going to concentrate on a little bit today. (laughs) Why? Why does Jesus send them out ahead like these mini John the Baptist? Because I don't know if you know the story of John the Baptist, but it didn't turn out so well. His head ended up on a plate. They were then to leave and cure the sick, tread on evil snakes and venomous scorpions, tell others about this ever-pressing, pushing-down-on-your-chest kind of pressure kingdom of God. What was it like? you think, to be one of the 70 or so. Traveling, unprepared, without proper shampoo or dry shampoo, forget the conditioner, no facial moisturizer, y'all, and absolutely no spare change to buy snacks at a rest stop. When they were sent out, they hurried, scurrying workers to do a job to tell others God is proud of them to build up this kingdom. Our story kind of tail ends from last week and picks up this week. Every moment counts in the kingdom of God because every person counts. Jesus warned these eager beaver would-be followers that there is no time to worry about what others, how others think about you, no time to worry about if you have to say the right thing, no time to doubt your ability. And then he adds in today's passage, there's, uh, the world needs to hear the good news, the gospel from you. Jesus warns, you will still come up with caveats, excuses, reasons the mission didn't work, fear that you didn't accomplish your goal. This time, he warns, though, that our tendency to use crutches, tools as shortcuts, material items to get things done, they won't help us. And it's just human nature, really. Human nature to fear our ability. Human nature to doubt God will go with us human nature to seek out support. Really, the Jesus followers of early Christianity, even without the superpowers of two-hour delivery, they desired stuff with tips and trips, tricks to help them usher in God's kingdom. It's Really such a daunting task, isn't it? Ushering in God's kingdom. Surely there must be an app for that, a way to do it more quickly, efficiently, successfully. Check the ratings, watch the unboxing videos, read all the reviews about how products help people labor in the fields for God's bounty. Jesus knows this tendency, this inclination of our human nature to rely on equipment, something besides ourselves to get the job done. And so he asks the disciples, as he sends them on their merry way, to set all of that aside. Equipment, self-doubt, go unprepared. Do it all, but don't do it alone. Simply go with a companion. It's often overlooked in this lengthy passage. It's a passage that is stock full, crammed full of a passage, this comment about where they were sent, with whom, and why. And scholars argue about if you pick up a different translation, as Derek and I talked about earlier this morning, uh, sometimes it's listed 70, sometimes it's listed 72. While the speculation about the specificity of the number is not really interesting to me, I'm really curious about the repetition, the drumbeat of this command throughout the gospel narrative, don't Go it alone. In Luke 9, he says something similar to the 12 disciples at that point, that they should take nothing, no extra clothes, no gear, no field guide, not even one of those multi-tools. He says, don't take anything, but don't go it alone. Don't worry about having enough. Don't put value in collecting things over relationships of people in your life. Don't hoard up stuff or gather more objects to make life easier to avoid dependence on others. Don't look to things that are necessary for survival because the abundance of God is actually already abounding in the people around you. Don't live into a life of scarcity, but believe that God has already provided. And it's natural sometimes to feel like we must go it alone. It's natural, but it's also kind of maybe a little bit idolatrous when you think about it to believe that it's all up to you, to believe that it's all up to me. This is why Jesus says it over and over again throughout the gospels, reinforcing to the 12 in chapter nine and the 70 slash 72 in chapter 10. It's why in the end, hanging on the cross, Jesus offers companionship to the crucified criminal beside him. You will not be alone, but today you will be with me in paradise, he says. That nagging fear of loneliness, of freakishness of the worry that no one understands, the worry that it's all up to you, that once you get it right, then the stars will align and the kingdom will draw near, that nagging persistent fear that you are not enough, that you always fail the mission, those statements that sometimes creep in the back of your mind of, if only, or I can't, or not me, Jesus says to his missionaries, these journey people, yes, you can. It is you, and you are not alone. We show up here on Sunday mornings, and I adore Sunday mornings, but I often meet several of you for coffee throughout the week as well, and in between our times on Sundays, I find myself enamored with all of you and also perplexed at why we continue to show up for church Why on a holiday weekend come into this beautiful but kind of strange space to sing some songs that might make us feel uncomfortable, to hold on to hot coffee cups? We are, you and I, a ragtag bunch. We are a diverse group of people who regularly don't live up to our promises, people with plenty of stories about failure, people desperately searching for some hope. Doug said it really well, why are we here? Why do we walk in those doors? Do you remember actually the first time you walked through those doors? Were you expecting to see freaks here? Or people who were really, really jazzed about life? Like Jesus freaks, or did you walk in worried that you would be the youngest here, or the oldest here, or the only one here? Did you glance around with a bit of an awkward silence, wondering, who should I talk to? Thank God they're all wearing name tags. What do I do with my hands? Oh my God, I forgot what I do with my hands. Did you show up because last night was really terrible and you couldn't sleep, because you couldn't stand to be by yourself anymore in the monotony of your own company or the company of your partner or your child or your sweet but really annoying pet any longer? Did you show up to be reminded that you are not alone? That's just one of the commandments of Jesus, our Lord, the command to depend on others, to seek out interdependence, to get our lives mixed up and messed up together like we're needing a loaf of bread. Jesus tells his followers, now they become leaders. He sends them out that they should rely on each other rather than themselves. Allow others to provide for you. Just as you cure the sick and proclaim God is proud of whom God created, be prepared to be a humble recipient of care too because that, that is when the kingdom of God draws close so near and dear when we are exchanging of ourselves with one another. This is the salvation of God. To show up in a cold children's theater or show up at a coffee shop, or show up in a stranger's home in the name of church. And remember, remind ourselves, look at each other in the eye and say, you are not alone. You are not a freak, or if you are a freak, I am one too. You're not a bump on a log, and you are not an island. You don't have to do this by yourself. You're not the only one without your life put together. You're not the only 20-something or 30-something or going on 60-something who struggles with Self esteem and questions their personal authority. You're not the only one still trying to figure out relationships and marriage and partnership, because Lord knows, I'm still trying to figure it out. You're not the only one with self doubt. You're not the only one with stories that are still tainted with shame. You're not the only one with secrets you're afraid to share, even to your therapist. You are here and you are not alone. Howard Thurman, a Christian minister slash some people call him mystic because he was really, really spiritual and talked in metaphors a lot, but he was also this civil rights leader and mentor to Martin Luther King Jr. when Martin Luther Luther King was studying at Boston University. Howard Thurman wrote beautiful sermons and meditations. Sometimes they make a lot of sense to me and sometimes I feel like I'm swimming in a sea of I don't know what. But one of Howard Thurman's famous sayings is about an inward sea, this sea within all of us that's sloshing and swashing all through us. He says, there is in every person an inward sea, and in that sea is an island. And on that island, there is an altar, and standing guard before that altar is an angel with a flaming sword. And Thurman wrote this image as a beautiful reflection on self-autonomy and discernment that whenever the seas of your life rage around you, that inward island, your self-consciousness, your God center that guides you is always there. But even this image, even in this image, you're not alone. You're not alone because there is an angel with a flaming mighty sword the spirit of god the spirit of god that guards and guides you the loneliness and fear of the waters that surround you will not overcome you you will not be swallowed up whole because god has drawn near this is what happens when we surrender our need to appear to have it all together when we place our pride in our back wallets for another pride sunday cuz it'll come around again when we give up our deep desire to go without assistance, when we walk through these doors with our meek glances and our, meek, our small smiles, we are reminded that the harvest is plentiful, that there is enough to help us out. There are enough stories from others about their mistakes and hurt and pain, and when we share them together, it gives us wisdom to carry through. The workers are few because it is hard to be honest about needing help. It is painful about times we failed, excruciating to admit that we need advice, a kind word, or a handkerchief to wipe our tears. But it doesn't mean that we aren't fellow workers Traveling companions, co conspirators, and comrades in this costly discipleship. We are ready with our story to say, Yeah, me too. But that requires, to be honest, a little bit of bravery. Sometimes you'll get a text 48 hours ahead of time, but sometimes you won't. There's no fear of looking back. It requires you to be a little brave. If you and I are people of this church, the people who choose for this time and this space to make this place our home, we must, it is imperative for the survival of others that we be willing to go first, to be the earliest out of the gate in those two by two marching kind of practice, this no BS kind of policy to share the good and the bad and the ugly of our lives and of our faith. If we're not afraid to share, to be companions, no, uh, sorry, we are not afraid to share. We are not afraid to be companions because if we are rejected, it's not about us, but it's about someone else and their problems and their own dealings with themselves. We are not afraid of judgment because anyone who judges us for our frailties judges our God who builds us up and redeems us in frailties. We've got a spirit with a mighty sword inside of us. The kingdom of a God is near to us and we are burning with hope. We are unafraid because we can rely on on each other and we can rely on our God. When we draw out of isolation, out of our need to go it alone, we don't have to worry about carrying enough. We no longer feel the need to collect things over people. The abundance of God is actually already abounding in the people beside us. In the authentic relationships, this kingdom of God draws a little bit closer. Will you pray with me? God, you tell us not to be afraid because you have brought great news of great joy for all your people. And that good news, God, is that we are not alone, that you did not leave this creation, this world spinning on a globe all by itself, but you, God, came and chose to be with us in the form of Jesus. And so we do not go forth sharing the good news in fear, but go forth knowing that we are not alone, that we are inviting people into a community of honesty and deep reflection and of joy. Because you, God, first invited us. Because you, God, you keep showing up in these other weird people around us, reminding us that we too are not that weird, but we are weird together, which is a joy. And so we offer our church to you. May we continue to celebrate our lives with one another, trusting that there is enough in the wisdom in this room if we share our stories together. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.